the 411 Live. Well, you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your Hello, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. We are going to test your knowledge and expand your knowledge in this podcast. Joining me now, my guest, Deborah Blanks, who is making her second appearance on the 411 Live, and Gerard Banks, and this mother, son, team, are partners in a family-owned business called Cairo Communications. Welcome to both of you, and thank you for joining me. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you for having us. Now, you guys have done something that I think is just really wonderful. You have come up with an app called Black History, and that's B-L-A-C-K-I-S-T-O-R-Y, you know, eliminating the H. And this will educate people in a fun way on overlooked facts and contributions of Black people. But before we get to that, Deborah, the last time that you were here, we talked about some of the things that were going on at that time. We talked about the George Floyd killing, the protests, COVID, things like that, racism. And since you were here, there's been the shooting and the killing in Kenosha. And, of course, the big stampede on the U.S. Capitol building. And when I saw the video, the footage from that um geez, what do you, that riot on the U.S. Capitol, I just thought, you know, if those were black people doing that, I think it would have been so much worse. And I was just wondering, what was your reaction to what you saw? Well, first I was um, shocked and sad, um, but I, I totally agree with you. Had those I don't even think they were rioters. Those terrorists mm-hmm. had been black. They would have been shot. Uh, the people that are meek and mild about condemning that would have come out with rage, would have uh, talked so badly about the group of terrorists. Uh, it would have been a totally different reaction among many people. Um, and it would have been cited as uh, an insurrection as un-American, uh, and people would have been calling for justice. Yeah, I think so. What was your reaction, Gerard? Um, not too much different than my mother's. I, I think for me, um, the thing that struck me was the relative ease of access to a building that I think most of us would assume is sort of a fortified compound. Yeah. You just... You assume that the White House, the Capitol building, there are certain landmarks of our of our culture that you just assume are protected, um, you know, with armed guards. And I I would have assumed that you can't just walk in the Capitol building, especially when Congress is in session. You know, I mm-hmm. uh, there there are these great videos online now that people are doing uh, where they're sort of reenacting how they think the Capitol Police sort of just, you know, they sort of acquiesced to the mob. And it's it's funny to watch these sort of humorous reenactments, but they only, you know, serve to reinforce how insane all of this was. 
Um, we've never seen anything like this. We've only no. heard about things like this in history books. Right. And to see it and to see the way in which it was almost treated like, uh, you know, uh, uh, this party and celebration until we realized, like, no, they were going to kill people. Mm-hmm. So it, it really puts it in perspective when you think, had those riders known where they were going, had they been able to find the, the, the Senate chamber, they, they were going to, there's this great image of someone that has little zip ties, like 50 of them. I've seen it. They were going to, to potentially kidnap and kill senators and, and, and congressmen and women. That's amazing. It, it, it cannot be overstated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In my wildest dream, I never would have thought I, that I would see that. But slowly, um, I'm going to get back to your app. But <laughs> but looking at that, you know, I saw folks with the neo-Nazi T-shirts and, you know, the, the whole bit. Um, and it just made me think of the whole thing, the racism, the, the things like that. And what spawns that? Is it fear, ignorance? And we talked about this a little bit too, Deborah, when you were here, um, that ignorance, fear, knowledge. Would that kind of um, narrow the racial divide, do you think? Well, I definitely think it would narrow it. Uh, I have to say, though, what we're talking about with the Capitol and the insurrection and all, that's history in the making. That's true. You know, a few years, years from now, people will write and read about this and they will probably be, probably be as shocked and amazed as we are. Uh, but for me, yes, I think knowledge of history can go a long way. It can help us as Black folks, for instance, feel more power and pride about who we are. It can help non-Blacks better understand our journey, our resilience, our pride, our power, our courage, and all of that. But I think when we're talking about where we are at today, um, history is powerful, but there has to be champions in the white community pushing for a better understanding as well. So history combined with activism and other things can make a difference. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so let's talk about the app. Tell me a little bit about it. What what will I see? So I can go to an, the app store. I'll be able to to download it. And then what is it? Well, basically, you'll you'll download it, and then you will see um, ten categories. Uh, for instance, I'll, I'll rattle them off quickly. But mm-hmm. it's Africa inequality long free struggle, which is really about civil rights, individual achievements, government, community development, the arts in acting and and writing, and also the arts with music and movement, diaspora and quotation. So those are the nine categories. And then you go through this process. So for instance, if you're going to look at Africa, you'll find a question, there'll be a question that pops up and you have four choices. Uh, And every time you answer a question correct, you get a good score. If you skip a question, you might get one deduction if you get it totally wrong. And then you can go back. So it's designed to help people when they see the four questions, be able to do some research 
um, and really learn and study about Black history. Okay. Give, give me some examples of some of the questions. Uh, a question might be, who is the West African ruler known for his pilgrimage to Mecca in 1324, which displayed his overwhelming wealth and brought so much gold to Egypt that the precious metal was devalued for years afterwards? Wow. And the answer is? Well, choose, uh, Gerard. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It, take them through its multiple choice, right? Right. So the uh, answers are Eva Kandun, Mansa Musa, Askia the Great, or Akhanadin. Two. Number two. What is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's Mansa Musa, number two. Wow, okay. Give me another one. Okay, so what practice occurs when a lender or insurer targets minority consumers not to deny residents loans or insurance, but rather to extend credit or unfair or unfair terms in specific neighborhoods based on the resident's race or ethnicity? So A, predatory lending, B, BIOS redlining, C, reverse redlining, or D, high-cost mortgage funding. Oh, wow. Now I'm thinking more than two. C. <laughs> reverse redlining. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. That is good. That does. It really makes you think. It really and makes you And that's really the goal, just to have people think about it, increase their knowledge and hopefully expand their views about African-Americans and our journey. Okay. Give me one in the individual category. Let me see. Individual. Who was the first African-American woman to go to space as a crew member of the shuttle Endeavor in 1992? So A, Jane Hinton, B, Alfreda Johnson, C, Helen Octavia Dickens, D, Dr. Mae Jameson. D. Okay. Mae Jameson. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. That's really good. Let's go into kind of the backstory for this app. And we talked about this on the last po uh, podcast, but since Gerard is here too, um, <laughs> I want to revisit that and he can interject his perspective in this. But you told me the story about when he was a little boy and the questions that you would give him. Tell me that again. Okay, I'll try to condense it a little bit. Gerard, <laughs> I know, has his variation. But um, from my perspective, when he was in about fourth grade, he was in a class, a math class, and he was only Black. And so afterwards, they would go to recess. And he said on the way home one day, hey, I go to recess and I'm with the white kids, but I look over and they're the black kids. And I, you know, he was like, do I have to stay with this group? I want to go. And, and my view was as an African-American young man, he had to know how to relate to whites and to everybody. But as an African-American young man, he had to be able to connect with his own people. And so I felt like the school wasn't doing enough to promote a sense of self and pride in being Black. So I really researched different schools and moved him to 
Morris Middle School, where there was Dr. Roger Onyx, and there were Black students who were considered gifted and talented. Um, the story goes that one day, actually, he um, was elected president of the Black Young Men's Society. Uh, we wrote plays and directed plays together. Um, he went, I'll fast forward, he went through high school and got kicked out of a class because he, when the teacher said, uh, this is what I'm going to teach you in Black history, Gerard said, so that's all you got. Uh, <laughs> He went to UWM and started a group called SCOPE, Students Creating Opportunities to Provide Education and Entertainment, brought in Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, the Black Poets, uh, brought in Maya Angelou, really uh, wrote grants and received $80,000 of private foundation. And for me now, uh, he's at Northwestern University working on his PhD. So for me, it was this idea of a young man really learning who he was. And I guess the point I'm missing here is, and I think a lot of it was that I gave him a notebook when he was in middle school that he would take to study class. And it was 500 questions that I had compiled. And he'd come home every day and say, ask me more, ask me more, ask me more. And what turned out to be such a loving gesture was like, oh, no, he's going to ask me more. <laughs> but I think it was a foundation for mm -hmm. his growth as a person and his Blackness. I think that's so insightful that you would do that. Um, Gerard, how, should we take a break right now? They're saying yes. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And Gerard, we're going to get your perspective on this, okay? <laughs> Stay with us. I don't think we're free in this country. And for a hundred years, you saw black people menaced and targeted and lynched and beaten and brutalized. I think we're burdened by this history. You are obligated to do something to address that, or you become part of the problem. More people have to be willing to do that uncomfortable, inconvenient thing that justice requires for things to get better. We don't have to fear fairness. We don't have to fear equality. We don't have to fear doing the right thing. Truth can inspire change. Learn more at EJI.org. Welcome back to the 411 Live. My guest, Deborah Blanks, and her son, Gerard, join us. And we were hearing the story, kind of the, uh, the journey of Gerard. And I would like to hear from you. Um, back when you were in middle school and she gave you that notebook, sounds like you just kind of devoured that. Yeah, I mean, we had study hall at the end of the day. And... Um, it was a situation where if you didn't, they were they were doing this sort of crackdown where study hall at one point, <clears throat> we would just all sit in there and socialize, mm -hmm. right? Last, last sort of class of the day, we didn't have anything to do. Everybody would just talk. So there was this sort of initiative or whatever where it was like, no, you really need to use study hall, the quiet study hall, right? Gotcha. <laughs> and so the quiet study hall was, 
no socializing or talking, bring a book or homework, and for 50 minutes, just sit there and, and quiet. And that was like torture. So I had to find something that was interesting because I wasn't about to do my homework. <laughs> oh, so yes. I remember one day I just grabbed my mother's. She didn't she didn't mention this, but she this all started with the history book. She was writing an African-American history book. And then at some point she decided, well, I want to focus on um, I want to sort of break off and create this this trivia um, um, collection of questions that could be a trivia contest. And so anyway, um, I grabbed the notebook one day. And I started going through it, and it was this big sort of binder that was sort of half her book and half questions. And I remember I'd read some of the book and we'd go through the questions. Anyway, it was one of those things I can't explain to you. You know, we all have those things in life that our brain just sort of, it ignites something in our mm -hmm. brain. Right. We just, we just get it. We just... We don't have to, we just understand it and, 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 and we can do it. And we all have that. And for me, I've always loved history, right? And so I could very easily memorize a lot of the questions and answers. And, and so what would happen is, as I would read and it would say, you know, um, something about, uh, you know, who helped develop the carbon filament for the light bulb, right? Yeah. I would, I didn't know who Lewis Latimer was, so it made me want to say, okay, who is this person? And then you find out he was a part of Edison's team and was one of the most influential scientists, a part of this group who actually did most of the work that Edison gets credit for. And so what, as time went on and I started learning these names and these dates and events, and I would want to go know who Daniel Hell Williams and Charles Drew and Bessie Smith mm. and Danny Lamer was, it just was a natural progression. And then being uh, being a little, uh, you know, the type of kid I was, I wanted to show it off. So anytime I was anywhere, I was trying to interject, like, but y'all don't know <laughs> who invented the straightening comb. But it traffic light, like, it got to a point where I, I almost was a tad bit annoying. Um, and, and so the story she tells about the teacher it wasn't quite that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just a situation where I grew up in a household. There was a store called Positive Images on Sherman. Oh, no, right off of Sherman. Um, is that Sherman and Burla, I want to say? Right across the street from Sherman Park. And every weekend, my mother, because uh, my mother used to play tennis at Sherman Park, after she would get done playing tennis, we would go over to Positive Images and you would walk in that place and it smelled like incense and it had all the, all the shirts, the Martin Luther King and yeah. Mike shirts and all the books. And she might pick a book and we pick a book. And it didn't even matter. I didn't have to read the book at 11, 12 years old. It was just, I was starting to sort of come into myself and these things she was introducing me to. And in our household, it was just me and her. We, we have a very, she raised me in this very open household. If you have something to say, you speak your mind. Now, be respectful and understand the consequences of what you say. Oh, very good. Okay. But speak your mind mm -hmm. and we will, we will talk. We will even debate. Um, and, there, you know, there's a limit to, do, to that. Um, but 
I was able to speak my mind. I was able to ask questions. I was able to say things and she would correct me when I was wrong. And so over time, I developed this very strong sense of self. I had first gotten the knowledge of self from her in doing this study. And then I started to have really more of a strength of self, which meant I was confident about what I, what I knew about my, my history, what mm-hmm. I knew about um, my, my present, where I come, you know, where I come from. And then I had this sense of wanting to really chart my own path. And, and, and my mother has been very successful. And so for me, uh, there were a lot of times where I would be introduced to someone and be like, is your mother Deborah Blank? <laughs> like, yes, my mother is Deborah Blanks. My name is actually Gerard. <laughs> they wouldn't remember my name, right? They, yeah. they couldn't say my name right, but they knew my mother was Deborah Blanks. And that was, you know, my whole childhood. And I said, I got to chart my own path. People got to know who I am. And so, yeah, that's kind of how we got to this point. Yeah. So that that passion that you had for that that knowledge and get, gaining all that information, is that what kind of spawned the the app? Yeah, you know what? I I I take credit only in this regard that she did all the work. Mm-hmm. But I think in her seeing how I connected with it. It was sort of like, okay, I got something. Yeah. You know? I like I think it's a fantastic idea. Definitely. And I am going to use it. But our time is almost gone, but I just wanted to make sure that we mention because you guys have a uh communication and consulting firm, Cairo Communications. And I understand, Rod, when it's first started, you were kind of taking the lead in this agency. Yeah, you know, it it first started is um, I was managing bands and as I was learning, um, I realized that I can't just write checks from my own personal account and I can't have people send checks to me in my name. <laughs> my mother had to help me out one year with the taxes because the IRS <laughs> wanted to know why I hadn't reported a certain amount of income. And so we, we I said, it was as simple as, hey, I got to start a company so that when I book these bands and I get the money, I I can do this the right way. And then and then it just it just evolved. And my mother was coming up with um, she was doing workshops and getting paid for it. And it was like, well, let's just have this go through this company we've started. And over time, you know, for a long time, I ran it. Um, that was what I did. Uh, and then it got to a point where started having babies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I decided to go back to school to to finish my 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 education. And so my mother stepped in and said, "You know what? Things are starting to take off. I I'm I'm moving on. She had already retired from SEC and she was like, I've got a lot of things in the works. Now it's my time to take Cairo over." And I was like, "Thank you." Yeah, so thank God. I to support her. And I think we make a great team, me, her and my wife. Yeah, absolutely. And your wife's name, we need to m- mention her. Element Everest Blanks. There you go. There you go. This this is fantastic. What is your hope? Th- I'm, this is for the two of you. What, you know, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but what is that that drive, that thing that you want people to get from this app? For me, it's... It's not that they know all 1,000 questions. 
uh, the answers to all of those is the sense of who we are as Black folks. You know, we're incredible. And I don't just say that to be nice. We're incredible. When you look at our history and all that we have overcome and how we now are standing as the protectors of this democracy, how we are challenging this nation to be its best, we need to own that. And then we need to look at ourselves and say, if we come from such dynamic people, who are we? We are yeah. people who should be proud about who we are as individuals and also understand we have a debt that we need to continue to pay back to our elders. And we repay that by being the best that we can be. Yeah. How about you, Gerard? You know, one thing I think that people should know is that, yes, it is sort of a typical question and answer trivia quiz. My mother, though, didn't speak to the fact that she actually, how many history um, kind of, um, events did you do around your, your trivia quiz? You've done several. Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to be bigger than just questions and answers on a page. We're building out a whole supplementary stu study guide. So you look at what you know and what you don't know, and then we're going to build out this study guide to supplement that so that you can learn more. And then hope, we're, we're, we're hoping to build out, again, an event around this where you can have uh, organizations and schools come compete. Because I thought that was amazing when my mother told me one day, she's like, yeah, we, we got a whole thing. I think it was down at the, um, at the museum. You got all these teams. In fact, didn't David Bowen's team win? Um, <laughs> Did he? Several years in a row. Yeah, so we, we're, yeah. this is just the beginning of, uh, of a much bigger build out. Um, and, and I'm excited because like I said, this all started from me trying to find something to read in study hall. And I happened to grab the wrong binder. Um, and there, and there you, there you go. You know, listening to you, I'm just thinking about all the young black kids who don't know this. I mean, they know about Martin Luther King. They've heard about Harriet Tubman, but you know, just didn't go that far. And for them to gain this knowledge, hear about, learn about all these different people, all these contributions, just think of what that will do to them mentally, you know, how that could kind of pump them up a little bit and be prideful of who they are. Well, think, think of it this way. Imagine if, you know, in the next couple of years, we're able to build out a citywide, well, like my mother did before, a, a really robust city, even state competition. Because you, you think of like kids going to um, a debate competition, mm -hmm. some, you know, a really big competition. You got kids from all over the city, all over the state coming to see who is the best and baddest at Black history. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not a basketball tournament, a Black history trivia tournament. That's, that is for me, that is like, mm. Yeah, icing on the cake. Yeah, icing on the cake. I love it. Hey, guys, we have gone through about 30 minutes, and it's been enjoyable. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. And thank, 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 thank you both for allowing me to crash your points. <laughs> Yeah, so people need to go get down, download the Black History app, 
and uh, Deborah and Gerard, I look forward to hearing some of the other amazing things that you guys will do and this competition that's coming down in the future, that as well. So you have to come back and tell us about that. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Okay, thanks. Take care. Take care. And thank you for joining us for another edition of the 411 Live. We are a nonprofit organization, so if you want to help us out, contribute, go to our website, the411live.org. Again, thank you for spending this time with us. I'm Beverly Taylor. This is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.